I'm Matthew Rodriguez. And I'm Daniel Schrader, and you're listening to Pop Stars. Pop Stars is the podcast where we take your pop culture favorites and interpret them through their natal charts. So let's get our astrology on and get started. What are we starting with today, Matthew? Well, today we're talking about the film of all films. Of course. Uh, Jurassic Park, which was released in June of 1993. So we're Perfect nearing, timing. Right. I mean, wow. It's almost like it's a coincidence. I know. It's, or like that we planned it this way. Uh, coincidence. But it was released 20 years ago. And it's obviously just a movie that fucks really hard. Oh, of course. No question. Um, and I mean, if you haven't watched it, I think you should stop listening to this podcast. If you haven't watched it, who are you? Right. Like, if you haven't watched it, I honestly feel bad because this will enrich your life. Right. Like, bless your heart. Um, But, you know, it's basically the story about an archaeologist who is contracted to visit this theme park where they have resurrected dinosaurs through really old DNA that they found in mosquitoes. And he is contracted to go to the park and basically give his recommendation for whether it should open or not. And hijinks ensue. What? Uh, who could have guessed? Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, and those hij- that hijinks includes a non-scientifically accurate T-Rex. Oh, I think... Uh, is any of this scientifically accurate? Well, well okay. I frog mean, DNA? The frog DNA is always what gets me. Like, I'm always <laughs> like... Everything about this is so tight, but the, really the frog DNA is like, you would have made half frog. Right. Like, like, if we think about the genetics of, like, humans and, like, apes being, like, 99% similar, right. and, like, if we just stick a frog inside a dinosaur, that dinosaur's going to be leaping around a bit. And then also, like, I guess they spend so much of the movie saying that dinosaurs are descended from birds, which is scientifically accurate. Yes. Why didn't they use, like, bird DNA? That's a great question. Like, the frog is not related to the dinosaur at all, so I feel like they could have at least used I mean, I think it's because DNA. birds don't change their sex um, right. on their own, and you need, yes. Well, spoiler. Oh, sorry, whoops. Let's, spoiler. But, well, honestly, a movie with an almost all-female cast, except so most true. of them don't talk. But. Wow. <laughs> so does it pass the Bechdel test? <laughs> I, you know, that's not within the purview of this cast, but I would say no. no. I, I don't think so either. I don't think so. We can look it up later. Yeah, we'll the check. the internet is at our hands. Exactly. Uh, but what's your relationship with this movie? Well, I watched it when it first came out. And I think what's interesting is when you watch it as a kid, as a four-year-old, I think the only thing you're thinking is, wow, dinosaurs. Right. Like you are just that scene when they like come over the hill and the music swells and it's right. just the all the dinosaurs there. And that's all. And then obviously, first of all, CGI in the 90s was better than it is now. Oh, so true. <laughs> so like the dinosaurs look like you're, you're looking at dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So I think that as the through the eyes of a four year old is what I was watching was just this movie has dinosaurs. Did I understand like the actual like Michael Crichton ass plot of it? No, 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 I was no, just no. like there's dinosaurs and then the dinosaurs are mean. Yes. But some of them are nice. Some like the triceratops. Nice. Yes. Oh. So I know. Majestic. Well, and see, that's like a practical effect that we don't get anymore. That's why, like, it's I such a better movie. But movie. anyway, we don't need to get into the effects of it all. But yeah, and then I guess as I grew up, I and I rewatch it so many times because it's eminently rewatchable. I, it's funny. I started to see more of like the horror aspects of it, which we'll definitely get into when we talk about the chart. Mm-hmm. But like, 
you know, as a kid, you're just like, oh, dinosaurs are great. And then as an adult watching it and understanding the situations that are happening, you're like, how are they going to get out of this? Oh, so true. There were like multiple times where I like got a little like covered my ears and scared when things were happening. And I was like, no, I know the plot of this movie. I've seen it so many times. Right. But yeah, no, it just it, it's one of those movies that just sweeps you up in itself because it just knows exactly what it's doing. Exactly. No, totally. You know, I I've always been a like Michael Crichton fan as a kid i read a lot of his books and so this was definitely just like up my alley and so you had read the book as a kid uh in middle school but i definitely saw that i saw the movie before i like read the book of course exactly yes wrestled with the text for sure but um it's i think that the book's a bit more serious than uh the movie the movie is um a great romp and i'm always happy to put it on i like I just like to immerse myself in it every few years, I feel like. So it's just one of those movies that it's a movie. Oh, yeah. Like when Harry Styles said, it's a movie. Like if you have a hookup over and you're like, do you want to put on Jurassic Park? Exactly. Yeah. That's a great idea because the last time I was over at a guy's house and he put on a movie for us to hook up to, it was Assassin's Creed. That's a, there's a movie of the video game? It's starring Michael Fassbender. Wow. Anyway, Shame. we'll get that to it. Uh, we'll get to, to that one in a different episode. But <laughs> watch out for episode one thousand thirty-one. Yes, can't wait. Assassin's Creed. Oh God! <laughs> All right. So yeah. Um, but now let's get into the chart. Yeah. So as part of Pop Stars, we are going to be looking at pieces of culture and their natal charts. How do we determine these natal charts? Well, it's going to be a little different every time. Pieces of pop culture don't really have a birthday, but this one does. So obviously there are some quibbles with birthdays. I mean, you know, some things come out in, you know, um, what's it called? You know, some things come out in Japan or other countries before they come out here. But Jurassic Park came out in the U.S. in on June 11th, 1993. Yep. So I we started with June 11th. And then obviously for natal charts, you need to kind of say where geographically this piece of cult, this person or this piece of culture was born. So for this natal chart, uh, Isla Nublar, where Jurassic Park takes place. Of course. Famously. The park. The, yeah, the Isla Nublar um, is a couple miles off the, of the west coast of Costa Rica. So I chose Costa Rica's westernmost point. Love it. As the uh, basis for the natal chart. We are very scientific in our astrology. Yeah. I mean, astrology is a science. Because science is magic. Period. Period. Yes. Yeah. Period. Um, So let's start off just talking about, obviously, it's sun sign. That's where. Ah, yes. So it's good old Gemini energy. Yeah. It's Gemini energy. So, I mean, I guess. If you're listening to this, you should know a little bit about Geminis in, in general. But there's oh, so God. much more than just the twins, you yes. know? Yes. Oh, I know plenty about Geminis. My mom is one. Oh, yeah. Well, that, growing up under a sign, like when we finally get to Libras, I'll be able to talk about Libras because my mom's a Libra. Uh, That's yes, how you learn wait. about a sign is being raised by one. Truly. But yeah, so Geminis, aside from being known for, you know, being du- dualistic, I mean, they're obviously... No, it's Dua Lipa. <laughs> Dula Peep. There we go. Um, they have a healthy curiosity. They're very communicative. And mm-hmm. that obviously is both bad and good. It doesn't mean that it's always a positive communication. No. But they are the, like, they are the sign that's most associated with like speaking their mind. Always and, thinking. Right. And I mean, when you have a mom that over-communicates, that also can be an <sighs> issue. But uh, um, so yeah. 
so and also Gemini's because of that duality, I think one of the things that is the is the people when they think about duality or Gemini, they only think that means that they're two faced. Right. But I think that the really positive way to talk about that is that like Gemini's are really adaptive and flexible. They're like a chameleon. They're, yes, they can be very nimble. A chameleon and, with frog DNA. A chameleon with frog DNA, which is still a chameleon, not different at all. Of course. And, you know, it got me thinking about kind of the film's central idea of life finding a way, because mm-hmm. these are adaptable dinosaurs. That's exactly where I was going to go. I think that the enti- I think the entire Gemini Sun energy of this movie is wrapped up in the Jeff Goldblum quote of, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't consider whether or not they should. Yes, yes, okay, because, and that is that duality, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's there's so many, a lot of the characters in this movie, or just like the camps in this movie, are of two sides. Like, you know, there is the science, and then there's even the chaos theory. There's the moment, maybe Jeff Goldblum is like the, the Gemini of the movie. He is. Because the chaos theory moment where he like takes the water and puts it on um, Laura Dern's hand, and mm-hmm. like, what side will it go? And the very question of like, will we marvel at these dinosaurs or will they eat us? Right. Like, there is like that duality is really that t- it's almost like tension. Yeah, totally. And that's what drives the entire movie. I also think John Hammond's character is like the um, the Richard Attenborough character is very Gemini son in a lot of ways, too, because he's like so excited about the science, but also excited about just like sharing this with people. And like uh, he he is so wrapped up in the like could that yes. he he never considers the should, even though he knows he should. Like that's I feel like there are times where it, it, it comes across that like he's just kind of glossing it, glossing over, which I totally, totally understand. But yeah. So, I mean, classic Gemini Sun, this movie. Yeah. And it also got me thinking about kind of what we were talking about earlier, which is the duality of the film itself, which Mm -hmm. is that I think that this is, so Crichton is a genre writer. Yes. Well, Crichton is a genre. Crichton is a genre. (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, I think I forget what, theorist it was who said like when you create something new you create a new genre or something mm-hmm. like when you go outside of that and um he is his own genre now and this is a this is a genre film but it's also a film of multiple genres like it is a straight up action movie at points but then there are points where it is using horror elements and ha- and is a straight up horror film like right. there is something that is coming after them and i also think that horror films are all about like the whole basis of horror genre is about our mortality and like how far we're willing to go to survive mm-hmm. something that is that is coming for us, whether it's a ghost that's living in our house or a dancing clown. And like, I think that that question for a lot of the characters in this film is there. So I also think this film like straddles so many genres in that very flexible, adaptable, adaptive uh, Gemini way. Oh, totally. I think you've also got like elements of farce in there with like oh, Nedry yeah. falling down the like water and stuff and getting attacked in the Jeep and everything like that. Like that's classic farce. So it is that whole plot. Like if there were a Jurassic Park stage play, like the Newman and all. I'm not good with character names, so I'm going to be saying Newman and Colonel oh, Sanders a lot. I kept wanting to say Newman, like when I was taking notes, <laughs> so I was like, what is the character's name? What is his name? Even though Newman's not even that actor's name, but right. he's Newman. <laughs> he's Newman. Yeah. Like that whole thing would be an incredible staged B plot. Oh, I would love to play that character. Like, yeah. Sign me up. That like, would be that's so much pathos, fun. mama. Truly. Yeah. Ugh, he's great. Um. So, so the movie's son is in Gemini. 
Its moon is in Pisces. Ooh. I know. And I love a Pisces. And I... Oh, same. As a Virgo, I they're my sister sign. So... So for those who don't know in general, you know, your moon sign, if your sun sign is like who you are at your core, your moon sign is kind of like what's driving you subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Your emotional well. Your emotional. And so it's funny because when I'm talking, when we're talking about these movies and their natal charts, like I'm thinking about what writers wanted to say with the characters Mm -hmm. and like what was the impetus of making the movie and then there's what people think the movie is about when you're writing it and then and then that comes through in that line life finds a way and then there's almost like what's subconscious like maybe what's working behind the writer's mind and shows up on the page but they don't even know it Mm -hmm. and so that's almost what i think the moon in pisces is um because moon in pisces is like pisces people it's 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 also dual-sided because Pisces to me is the symbol of wisdom. Like it's the end of the Zodiac, Mm -hmm. but there's because they're so close to wrapping around to the beginning of the Zodiac. I also wrapping around to you. Exactly. I also think that Pisces have like a huge imagination and like, Oh yeah. And, um, I think they're very expansive. Yes. I think that's a great word. And I think that this movie is like about like, this movie is fully like if you can it, these pe- these scientists were imagining these things that didn't exist and they were able to create it. So it's this marriage of like if you have this big imagination and you have the practical know-how like you can kind of bear it out in the world. Right. And also like th- they're creating this like exciting new beautiful thing that is just like we are we're breathing life into something, not actually thinking about like the practicalities of what that means. They're just like excited to bring this life energy to the world in a way and like share the like joy of it without thinking about the other sides of that. Well, you know, what's interesting and here's where we can go on maybe a tangent um, is that's why I think Jurassic Park works because it's actually to me a movie about imagination and the wonder of seeing a dinosaur and Jurassic World to go Ugh. to go to my 1600 word essay that I wrote when I first saw it and never published it. We'll run it eventually. Jurassic World is a movie about the intrusion of capitalism into imagination and then it's also a meta commentary on like them having to resurrect this franchise in order mm-hmm. to make more money and like there's absolutely no wonder at dinosaurs in the Jurassic World film series. No. But in the original trilogy there's still wonder at like the majesty of a dinosaur and like what it means to see it. That's so true. I like watching this movie, I kept thinking about the modern series that was redone with Chris Pratt and it just felt so empty to me thinking yeah. about it cuz like this movie just felt so rich and like full of for lack of a better term like love. Yes. Like it yes. L- like loves these dinosaurs in Correct. a way that the it feels kind of like well these dinosaurs are our product, which they are, but like that comes through in just like such a craven way in the new movies that Well, that is the thing is like think about the main characters, like the people in this movie are archaeologists and philosophers who are thinking about like the wonder and like the wonder of it all. And the main character in Jurassic World, Bryce Dallas Howard, is like I think you mean Bryce park. Dallas Howard's high heels. Exactly, is a capital is like the owner of a park yes. and just is owning these dinosaurs and just looks at it as like her nine to five. Right, it's the inheritance of the company versus the creation of the company. Oh my God, Succession is still with us. It, it never will leave. <laughs> um, but actually, speaking of the uh, Pisces Moon, the thing that spoke to me the most about like 
Pisces moon of it all was the scene when they're watching the egg hatch. Ooh. And Hammond's there like saying, oh, I'm I'm always sure to be here to like see when they all hatch so that I like, because they imprint on the first person they meet, which I don't believe that reptiles imprint on anybody. I used to right. own a snake. Not, we'll talk about not, it sometime. It's not Twilight. No, exactly. <laughs> it's not and, Renee's May. And so like, it's this beautiful like love of these creatures that he's creating, but also kind of a delusion of yes. like thinking that the, thinking that your love is going to do something to like connect yourself to these animals that isn't actually there. And you're kind of like over imprinting on, like you're imprinting on them. They're not imprinting on you. Totally. And I think also like that gets to a really moon and Pisces thing about it, which is this idea of Pisces in general, having a really deep intuition and mm-hmm. almost like a, a, a knowledge of their own wisdom or an attuneness to that. And I think the movie is about like what happens because you know, when you have a natal chart, I mean, everyone has a natal chart, but like, you know, no one is any one aspect of any sign. Like we're all, all signs at all times. And I think this movie is about, like I said, the capitalistic intrusion into imagination. And then also like what happens, I think this movie is about like, on some level, like, you know, man versus nature trying to contain what is a very ancient power, Mm -hmm. uh, a very ancient natural power. And like what happens when modern man tries to, to do that versus like, Oh, I like dinosaurs. Like if you like dinosaurs, you can like dinosaurs, but like, why are you trying to make a business out of it? Right. Exactly. And like, I mean, for all that this movie is about wonder and beauty and creation of life. It's also a movie about insurance. You know what? That's so right. That's like the entire impetus for the what trip. What is in the genre of insurance movies? Like up in the air? I feel like there's more than we like want to think about, but I, uh, what other insurance movies are there? We'll you, get back to that. But yes. Like, yeah. I think that's I, like, you know, I want to know what other insurance like movies are about just like, actuaries right uh would love we will find out well and the blood-sucking lawyer yes uh gosh colonel sanders calls him truly i will only refer to that character as colonel sanders no i mean that's the way to do it i i agree with you so So this oh sorry so this movie is also a virgo rising um and i know you have a lot of thoughts about virgo rising yes well as a virgo son i definitely understand virgo energy a lot and and what is rising so rising signs are like how you first present to the world they are like how you come off even if so this was the opening weekend box office sign (laughs) right um i think what's interesting about like virgo rising is that uh it's i think that it comes through in the like we believe we have control of this park and we're just showing off this park to the world and it's like the assuredness of that and the like meticulousness with which they have created an actual like very controlled environment without like actually understanding the flaws of that control Mm. and um because i mean virgos are all about order and uh practicality and like being uh like planners and stuff and so i think that like it we've got these we have these grand ideas of having it all worked out already without like actually reckoning with the lack of control we really have that's so interesting because on some level, aside from this being an insurance movie, like it's also a workplace comedy. Oh, so that true. is about like the machinate like so many of the things that happen in this movie are about just like systems and fail safes that are in place to make sure that certain things don't happen. And what happens when you try to, once again, going back to Moon and Pisces, like contain this really big force. Mm-hmm. Like you've unleashed this big force 
and the Virgo-ness wants to create all these systems to contain it. And I mean, that's what- And things we have. Right, and there's so many parts of the movie, like where Colonel Sanders is talking to Newman about, about just like, you know, these are your problems and Newman's just like, you don't know any people who could do, run this entire park from this room for, you know, up to 48 hours without power, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, and the, the power goes out it. and they have to find a way. Like, so much of this movie is about, like, your best laid plans and how to fix them mm-hmm. when they go awry. Yeah, because also this is a disaster movie. Oh, 1,000%. Like, that's totally, Another genre. Yes, it's all the genres. Right. Just like it's all the signs. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, so true. <laughs> We're all all the genres. Exactly. That We contain multitudes of genres. <laughs> Um, so what's up next? So up next, we're going to talk about the Mercury sign. And obviously a lot of people know about like the big three, but we are going to go through the chart. And Mercury is really the sign that dominates like how you communicate yourself to others. Mm-hmm. Um, Mercury is the sign of communication. Named ruled after, by Virgo. Exactly. Ruled by Virgo and named after the communicating God. Um, so this movie's Mercury is in Cancer, mm-hmm. which I have so much to say about this. Dying to hear it. Um, so it's funny, Mercury is about communication, and this almost reminded me we've talked about a lot about tarot, and I know we're going to get to tarot later. Mm-hmm. So communication is like swords, right? And that's, uh, for people who don't know tarot, swords in tarot is the suit of ideas, the suit of communication, and cancer is emotions. It's like oh, yeah. the tarot of cup, the, the suit of cups. It's the opposite. Just it's like the, the Gemini opposite. and right. Pisces, it's the... And it's so funny because I think that this movie is perfectly a Mercury in Cancer because even though it's a talking movie, it is a talking movie. Oh, yes. Um, but it's not like a Steven Soderbergh talking movie. Thank God. But um, Steven Soderbergh's Jurassic Park. <laughs> Steven Soderbergh's Jurassic Park, incredible. <laughs> just these long monologues from the T-Rex. Can't wait. Um, but It's I, just that dinosaur cartoon. <laughs> The Land Before Time? No, no. The, like, internet cartoon that's oh. always, like, the same panels of the dinosaurs, but yes, they're saying yes. random different things from years ago. You know, we're I, old. Well, I thought you were... We need to do The Land Before Time. Oh, we will definitely do The Land Before Time. Um, So, this movie doesn't... I mean, it does... Are we just going to become a dinosaur podcast? I believe so. Okay. Um, sixty. Our new podcast, 65 Million, coming out <laughs> next week. Um, Mercury and so yes, it's it does communicate its ideas through some of its lines, but also like Spielberg, and this is where we talk about Spielberg versus Michael Crichton. Yes, Michael Crichton wrote a book about this. Spielberg is making a movie. Spielberg is emotion. Yes, like as a filmmaker, Spielberg is like I'm going to show you this person's face, and you're going to glean all of the emotions and like the swelling music. Like that's also why, as a kid, you can watch Jurassic Park. And not understand the like whole capitalist and the whole farce aspect of it and love it. Because it's a movie that communicates exactly how you're supposed to feel at every moment. 100%. Through emotions. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think that that's like one of uh, Colonel Sanders driving like forces of creating this park is the like feeling that he's sharing with others. And he's like excited to share the experience of dinosaurs. Yes. As opposed to like thinking about the science of it all like it's a they're on like a theme park ride and they're like going by like looking at the yes the scientists doing the work but for him it's like all of this is just like you get to see it happening and experience it but it's not like we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of like how the science works because that's not what it's about right and isn't that moment where they take the the safety locks off the ride 
a Mercury in Cancer moment because it's like these people want to communicate about like the nitty gritty and he's just like no like the scientists are there those are the eggs they're beautiful let's awe at them it's a beautiful experience and even when they do want to get to the science he stops and he's like I imprint on them and he makes it like an emotional moment so we go from this thing of like frog DNA to him being like, I'm their mommy. Right. (laughs) You know, like he is always trying to bring it back to the emotional experience of being there and experiencing dinosaurs. And there's actually even that part where the insurance, the main character, the insurance man Mm -hmm. is like, we could charge $20,000 for people to be here. And he's like, it should be available for everyone. Everyone. Well, we can have a coupon day. Right. Exactly. But no, that's exactly the entire feeling of it is I like, I just want to share the joy of this with others. And, uh, I think that also it's, uh, helpful to like gloss over the science, like, because obviously all of the science is fake, but like it's, by like being able to pivot to that emotion so quickly, it like keeps us from having to think too much about like frog DNA. And um, I mean, that's because for me, all sci-fi is really about like emotions and feeling and like stuff like that for all that there's science and stuff. It's like, how is this stuff making us feel about whatever the future is, whatever we've created, whatever like the science has generated. Well, even on the opposite end too, like when the movie wants to communicate that we should be afraid of the power of science. I mean, we're now living through a moment of like chat GPT where like we are very sure that science oh, yeah, this, is going to kill us all. This podcast brought to you by AI. Oh, totally. We're not real. No. This is actually, this is all. We, we fed our- Daniel and Matthew's uh, writings into a chat GPT <laughs> and we're just reading a script right now. Exactly. So it's like this movie on the opposite end, instead of giving you a logical argument about why you should be afraid of science. It's like, I want you to just feel the fear of a T-Rex that is smushing you under a car. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm going to communicate how bad it is when science, when like science goes too far through the emotion of fear. What if science, but vibes, right? Exactly. This is movie is a movie of science vibes. Yes. Love a science vibe. So going on with vibes, let's talk about the Venus and Taurus because yes, so for let's. those who don't know, Venus is the planet that rules kind of our love life and our relationships. Connections. Connections in general. And it's in Taurus. And Taurus is really like the sign of security and grounding and beauty. Um, beauty. Yes. Um, but just like very like comfort almost, I mm-hmm. would say. Yes, Com- it's my my moon is in Taurus, so oh, yes. mo- it's oh my gosh, very comforting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I saw a lot of this in just like the the I don't want to say flashiness, but like the the embracing of this, like really making the park look like a beautiful place mm-hmm. that like you want to visit, and not like it's like it's doing everything it can to kind of put the protection to the like side so that you can enjoy the wonder of it and not be like so distracted by like, well, I'm, I'm at an animal prison mm-hmm. um, for all, cause it's just a zoo. But like, I think that all of the stuff that they create around it makes it this like in luxurious experience. Right. And it wants to like, make you feel that and connect with the animals in that way as opposed and like think of them as these like things you can connect with as opposed to terrifying reptiles. Well, that's really interesting. And 
I, it's funny that you went that way because when I was making my notes for Venus and Taurus, I was thinking about like, well, what is the love story in mm. in Jurassic Park? And I think that there is, it's, you know, maybe it's time that we talk about the people in Jurassic Park. Who? I know. I Like, who's in it? It's Except, Laura Dern and dinosaurs. Right, exactly. I Laura mean, Dern as, and her shirt, her shirt and her shorts. Yes. And the dinosaurs. As she says, women will inherit the earth. Also, wild that Samuel L. Jackson is in this movie. I fully forgot about that until he popped up and I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, he is fully in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, you know, this movie is also about, like, Sam Neill learning to want to be a father. Mm-hmm. Like, when I was watching it now, I guess as someone who's 34 and who rejects having children and everything about children. Amen. Like Sam, this movie is also about Sam Neill's journey towards becoming a father or like being okay with it. And so I want to hear your, your, t- so Sam Neill and Laura Dern are like in a relationship. Yes. Jeff Goldblum is like, I really don't care. Like I'm going to openly flirt with you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like the whole time. And, it's funny because you see Laura Dern being ready for a family and the whole time, every time, you know, he hangs out with the two kids, he's like, she's like, hey, you're so naturally father-like. And he's like, what are these alien things that are small? Right, right. One of my favorite lines, actually, that I feel like I never really caught before or like just didn't remember in a way that I really remembered this time was um, when it's in the opening, like f- first like 10 minutes or whatever, when, uh, Colonel Sanders shows up at their dig site and says something about like kids and something else. And then Samuel says, what's that? And Laura Dern says, they're, they're little adults. <laughs> and it was just like such a great little joke that I fully forgot about. But uh, I think that, yeah, you're so right. This is uh, a lot of it is about like him kind of coming to terms with fatherhood or like what that could be for him, especially when like, I think, you have, uh, so, I mean, you're saying that Jeff Goldblum is flirting so much with Laura Dern. You in, even then find out that, like, Jeff Goldblum has kids and has a fam- has a family, even has, like, multiple ex-wives, but, like, right. has embarked on this, like, journey and experience that Samuel continues to be scared of. Right. So. Well, it's funny, too. I'm not saying that, like, Tauruses are not sexy or sexual, but, like, we are talking about, like, that security and comfort because we see almost like Jeff Goldblum like trying to like stray Laura Dern away from that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like she's in this really what must be an incredible relationship. I think that Sam I mean aside from the age gap, but like we're not gonna have that discourse. No. But like but I think Laura Dern recently had that discourse in the news. Like she was oh, like really? she's like twenty three in this movie and he's like forty six. I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well it's it's also just like people thirty years ago didn't look their age, you know, like she's twenty three mm-hmm. but she looks early thirties. Oh, totally. Right. Um but uh yeah so this movie more like there's not really like a kiss in this movie or like this romantic like oh my god like I was so worried Laura Dern that you were gone but like it is more about I think it's a maternal or paternal love and Mm -hmm. like the return to family and then obviously you have the fact that like all of the dinosaurs are are Megan Trainer mother. Yes. Oh God, <laughs> they are. They are mother. Yeah, they are. Mo- that was probably the original name for the movie. Was they are mother? Yes. Uh, <laughs> if only. Um, no, I love that. That's great. Um, so let's get to the Mars in Leo. So for those who don't know, I mean, Mars is all about our inner urges. Um, Mars our is passions. The go- our passions. Mars is the god of war, but it's like 
so it is how we act in conflict, but it's also can be about like our urges for sexuality and just like our desires and passions and stuff like that. Yeah, our fire, our fire, because Mars is the ruler of Aries, and Aries is all about fire and passion. I am. You an should Aries. know that exactly. You're not just an Aries. One day we'll we'll just go over our own natal charts for the whole world to listen Yikes. to. <laughs> can't wait um but yeah so this movie is a mars and leo so it's a fire sign on the fire planet Uh uh-huh which is really apropos because shit is flying at you the entire movie. totally i mean my first uh sentence for this was just look at me i'm a theme park right oh my oh my god wow yeah this is a theme park movie it is yeah like it's it's a ride yes and uh i think that like it gets caught up in that in every kind of way that is um, not even just like, yeah, we're on a park ride, but like we're, we, as we said earlier, like getting caught up in the like, oh gosh, I got scared of this again without even like, I know where the plot beats are. I know where it's going, but like it really communicates that like all of those like exciting feelings uh, without like any effort almost, it feels Mm -hmm. like. Well, you know, I thought about two. So my favorite Leo is Jennifer Lopez, and I'm sure I'll bring her up every time we talk about Leos Love from it. now until eternity. Um, and the thing about Leos is, aside from that, I mean, this is a theme park was an incredible line. That's exactly <laughs> correct. Because Leos are also like very opulent, but I think it's opulence as a status symbol or like a significant symbol. Like, look right. at how luxurious and great and how much stuff I have type thing. Right. It's the Dorit. Yes. Yeah. And this is also like, I mean, they want their theme park to be the best. Like right. they are trying to make a world-class product. And they do like, I mean the iconography of like the Jurassic park Jeep for like, you know, like there's just those types of things that are so like perfect mm-hmm. that really just fit the like, yeah, look at me, look at me. And then also, so when I was reading about Mars and Leo, just because I do homework, we, this is a scientific podcast. Oh, yes. No, we're going to know way too much about all of this. One of the, the things end. that came up that I thought was really interesting was that Mars and Leo. So there is status, but I want to say there's something that sounds shallow. <laughs> Whoever accused of Leo of being shallow <laughs> would never. Um, it's also, I think they are very into... Mars and Leo specifically is about like significance and like making your wanting your life to mean something like that's something that so if we're talking about urges and drives like something that drives you is making your mark and like that is what Colonel Sanders is all about in this movie yeah it's creating the legacy right for Bryce Dallas Howard exactly so that she can turn it into a capitalist hellhole and run around in high heels and isn't that America right exact podcast over (laughs) it's been nice good run we've unmasked it the Scooby-Doo villain that is America (laughs) yes oh god can't wait for us to do Scooby-Doo I love that movie (laughs) um so let's talk about Jupiter and Libra so Jupiter, your Jupiter sign. So I know obviously we did say Venus is relationships, but I also think that Jupiter is about relationships. Yeah, as well. definitely. It's like the planet of luck or whatever. Yeah. And kind of like, yeah, fortune, things like that. Like, uh, and I think that Libra in Jupiter is very much about like exercising good judgment, but not necessarily all the time. And thinking that you're exercising good judgment when it's going awry. Well, it's interesting when I think, obviously, when people think about Libra, they think about the scales and balance. And you just mentioned luck. And it makes me think about, like, how the fortunes of the movie, it's almost like the tarot card, the two of pentacles, where it's, Mm -hmm. like, in one hand, out the other. Like, 
they are building a theme park and then it goes wrong and then the T-Rex comes after them and they're able to get away and then they get to this and it's like the movie is about the possession and loss of luck constantly and how they are nimble like a Gemini in response to the loss of fortune, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking of the scene, well, the scenes where we cut back and forth between Laura Dern getting ready to flip the switch and the kids climbing over the like electric fence and the tension there of like having to like, yeah, we're going to have to climb over this fence, but it's fine because nothing's going to go wrong. Right. And then, but we know because we're watching it that like something something can go horribly wrong and like i don't know you you tell yourself no nothing's it'll be fine right no but we also knowing viscerally like it's not gonna be okay oh my gosh i just had a thought that i didn't even write down but i think the libra part of it too is like when you watch the movie what really happens is they're in two vans but they're in one unit and then Mm -hmm. they bifurcate yes and like the movie is about like the journey of these two separate groups so you have sam neil learning to become a father and then you have whoever's in the other group and like so <laughs> they have to <laughs> they have to get back together in some way and so you have these scenes where like you know they're never after the uh, initial jeep run everything happens in groups of like two or three so like when the raptors are terrorizing the children like that's them locked in this in this one room and the raptors have them kind of trapped and then Laura Dern has to go off and turn on the lights and so the they're constantly also bifurcating to like have to come back together so there is that that also this narrative balance of like okay I've split up my characters um you know it's not a haunted house like Jurassic World Lost Dominion which is a haunted house movie yes it really is um but yeah I think that's interesting too no I think that makes sense and also it's the like separating and just having to roll the dice of hoping we come back together and like hoping that like it works out because it's like, well, I have to go do my thing. You have to go do your thing. And I hope that you pull yours off and I can pull mine off. Exactly. I want to move on really quick to talk about Saturn and Pisces because I actually love the sign for this movie. Dying to know why. Well, so Saturn is the planet of spirituality and I think that... And since this movie is 30, it definitely just went through its Saturn return. It it really did. This is a celebration of Jurassic Park's Saturn return. Yes. Well, you know what's so funny is that what is more Saturn return than, like, that fucking terrible end of the third... Of the next threequel came out or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was, like, the worst... Did you see the last one? Oh, of course I did. The one that wasn't even about dinosaurs, it was about locusts. Uh-huh. So bad. That, oh, those fucking locusts. That was the They brought back Laura Dern and and Sam Neill for that. For locusts. Um, But yeah, Saturn is the... the, um, Spiritual planet. Spiritual planet. And then you have Pisces, which... Pisces is about wisdom, but also Pisces is at the end of the Zodiac, like I said. So I also think that when we talk about Pisces, that wisdom comes from experience. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you know, I'm an Aries, we're the baby of the Zodiac. Pisces is the old man, old woman, old person of the Zodiac. And so... I actually think that Saturn in Pisces is almost this kind of, not oxymoron, but this cool balance of grounded spirituality. And I think that the like religion versus science thing is the Saturn, or not religion, but maybe philosophy versus science mm-hmm. is kind of the Saturn in Pisces. That movie's theme is the Saturn in Pisces coming through. Oh, I totally see that. I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that uh, it also gets to like the, 
the difficulties of like actually creating boundaries, both emotionally and physically. I think that like Saturn and Pisces definitely deals a lot with that of like wanting to create boundaries, but not mm. necessarily being able to. And so like they think they have boundaries created, but like they're not really, really there. And I think that that's both physically, obviously, with the actual boundaries coming down and the, the snapping of the <laughs> the snapping of the fence by the um, T-Rex, but then also the boundaries that like Sam Neill has up about like kids and seeing that like actually maybe we need to like rethink that and unpack that and uh, consider what where this aversion to kids is coming from and what mm -hmm. like immersing yourself in them could mean. Yeah, no, and I and I think it's also like the Virgo of the movie, uh, Colonel Sanders, having his own like bound or like the ways things are supposed to go, and like it's funny because by the end of the movie, you know, Sam Neill says, "I'm not going to, to recommend that we, you know, invest in your park," and he understands. Yeah, and it's like a really big fundamental character change that is kind of like. A toss-off line because no duh, but like it well, is this fundamental character change of like the sign, the person who believes in both the science and the imagination being brought down to earth by the wisdom of nature and being told like you shouldn't fuck with this, and then being like, yeah, you're right, we're actually not going to open the park. Spoiler: they do, and Bryce House Howard now runs. Yes, it. can't wait. But um, I mean, yeah, it's a puncturing of that like uh, kind of diluted uh, idealism that he had that colonel sanders has like if you think back to the beginning of the movie where the he says to the insurance guy like in 48 hours you're going to be apologizing to me or whatever and it's like oh how little you know sir how little you know <laughs> right so yeah um well so the last three signs in the needle chart are more generational than mm -hmm. they are individual but i think that doesn't stop us from talking about them oh, I no i really definitely have some thoughts yeah because I mean, this movie is a millennial. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a staunchly staun Oh, this movie is, I think, the millennial movie, mm -hmm. and it's you know. Um, so the first one is Saturn. Oh, sorry, the first one is Uranus. Capricorn. Yeah, great, correct. Capricorn Uranus, um, and that specifically is a really all about kind of ambition. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, millennials are an ambitious generation. Right. Like we start, we were all about having multiple jobs and like, you know, working to the bone and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Capricorn is all about work. It is the, like Capricorns love nothing more than work. And I think that for me, the Capricorn and Uranus is the like literally invention of new technology. Yes. And the like creation of life from like just science that we have now like, combined new science to make this new thing. And Jeff Goldblum has this line where he's like, you you didn't even earn it. You just cho got other people's work and created new things. And I'm like, well, no, that's how science works. Sorry. Yeah. But like, I like that's to me exactly the Capricorn and Uranus is like, we're going to make dinosaurs. Well, and there's another line that I wrote down as like a very Capricorn in uh, Uranus line, which is when Colonel Sanders says, you know, we have all the problems of a major zoo and a major theme park, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like, in in doing the work, in, in bearing out your imagination and your ambition, you created something that was, not only do you have to like, wrestle with the scientific implications, you then have to do the monotony of running a theme park. So it's, you created dinosaurs, now you decided to open Six Flags, and it's also Six Flags Great Adventure, but the animals are gonna kill you. Right, and you're imagining like, okay, so at what point are we hiring the like, high schoolers to run the rides you know right oh my gosh <laughs> yes totally like at what point is it where 
you know, like, oh, the park runs smoothly now. Now it can just be like action park and, uh-huh. <laughs> and just like, you know, no say like, you know, when are, and it's funny because the, you know, that's the whole thing is the screws kind of go loose before it even opens. So, but that ambition is this movie to a T. And then in other ways, this movie is also um, millennials that it's Neptune is also in Capricorn. Um, and I think for Neptune and Cap- so Neptune and Capricorn was for people born between between eighty four and ninety eight, and so us, exactly. And Neptune is also the the um, the planet of kind of intuition, yeah, and illusion. And then that's funny because Capricorns are like the most grounded. Mm-hmm. So it is. It's almost like when we were talking before about this movie ha- holds so many genres, and I think so many of its signs are almost contradictory signs, like Cancer and Gemini, and and um, Neptune and Capricorn is kind of like another one of them, where it's like, you know, it's a grounded spirituality. It's a grounded intuition. It's an intuition that is not innate intuition. It's the intuition that comes from having been through shit. <laughs> oh, totally. I also think that it's putting in the work to put on a show. Oh, yeah. And that's like really what, Oh, so much like they they really like there are so many moments where you can see that Colonel Sanders Hammond has put in like the work to think right. through how to make this ride a sh- how, how to make this a ride how to make this a show how to make this a production and uh, I think that getting caught up in that kind of then deludes you into thinking that like all these practical things have like solved the larger existential problem of like we've created these giant monsters. Well, it it gives you it begs the question, and I just watched a movie that was about like an illusionist, and I forget which the one illusionist. It was. No, it wasn't the was illusionist. Was it the Prestige? Uh, no, I can't even remember what it was, but it was some movie or TV show where like the background was like the little girl in it, like her father was a magician. Oh, are you talking about Mrs. Davis? Yes, my favorite TV show of twenty twenty three. I'm talking about Mrs. Davis, Ugh, except for the fact that David Arquette was in it and he can't act at all. So why <laughs> do you put him in a movie? We're not. This is not a Mrs. Davis podcast. I've just been wanting to say that. Maybe one day we'll talk about Mrs. Davis. Can't wait. But like, yeah, and, and we'll have to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. In, in on what level is this movie also about? I mean, oh my God, the flea circus monologue. Yes. Oh my yes. God, the wow. flea circus How monologue. How did we forget that? The flea circus monologue, and it's also like that monologue is really like because Laura Dern's like no it's a fucking flea circus right like this is the flea circus and it's like so funny because the way he's talking about it is like his eyes are lighting up because he thinks that he knows more than the person who's making the flea circus but he became the thing that he hated most like he became the fucking guy owning the flea circus yeah he he just made the fleas a lot bigger right and deadlier yes of course yeah there's no collar for the dinosaurs no (laughs) oh my god uh, finally, we have Pluto in Scorpio. Yes, we do. So Pluto's all about your subconscious. Pluto, mm-hmm. uh, Pluto is also a generational planet. It takes many decades to go around the sun. So this is part of the Pluto in Scorpio generation. Um, Pluto, I'm, in, I'm interested to hear. So Scorpio, to me, aside from everything everyone says about Scorpios, this is our first time getting a Scorpio sign on this chart. Um, Scorpios are also really good problem solvers. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of their thing is like they know how to go through a system that seems to be putting up roadblocks and like almost cut through it and with a machete and kind of go through it. And I think this movie is about like all of the skills that these people don't know that they have that get them toward the end. Like there's not really a Gary Stu or a Mary Sue in the mm-hmm. movie. 
they each have a skill that kind of like brings them there. And I'm thinking even about the moment where like the little girl who's a hacker, like all of a sudden Ugh, love gets that. to click a button three times and turns the lights on. Mm-hmm. It's uh, that computer rendering of like all the safety mechanisms is maybe my now my favorite part of the movie. Oh yeah. I, I forgot that part, but then I was like, wow, am I the most charmed by this? Maybe like she clicks on a building that is the building they're in. That's like the visitor center. Yep. And then like clicks lights on or whatever, or like magnet lock. Who on. could have, who could have figured that out? I don't know. Right. Um, but I also think that like Pluto is like a mysterious planet and like yes. about like taboos and uh, mystery and hidden things. And I think that like the, like the Scorpio in uh Pluto is kind of the, like, as you're talking about, like they're deep thinkers and stuff, like, being able to, I keep, I feel like I keep coming back to this in like every point I'm making, but like being able to figure out how to create dinosaurs and how to like create, how to unlock this science that is so dangerous and taboo and scary and like mysterious and that we shouldn't touch, but like they can't help but touch it. I feel like Scorpios are like, if you say I can't, I, I must. Well, isn't the ultimate Pluto and Scorpio then kind of like the mosquito and the amber, right? Yes. Like there is something. So if we're talking about the subconscious, there's that moment in the animation um, where, where you like, have like the DNA clippy, the DNA clippy, and like they dig down what's beneath the surface, and then they have to go into an amber egg and get, and then they have to go into the mosquito. So it is about like this discovery required so much digging underneath the surface and it's like the power to unlock dinosaurs was underneath our feet the whole time and then what is really unlocked is like how you once you open pandora's, pandora's box. Uh, a, a ancient ancient dinosaur box yes. you can't put it back no yeah i think that that's such a great point i wow this this was really fun i yeah. i think we've really got some great stuff out of it no, I agree. Um, and I think that now that we are at the end of this chart, well, first of all, what was your favorite aspect of the chart? Like, which one do you think that was like, you know what? I didn't realize that this was going to fuck this hard, but it really did. Honestly, I got to say it was uh, Look at Me, I'm a Theme Park, the Leo Mars. The Leo Mars, you're, that line, I'm going to be thinking about it for days. That was so good. I really think that it came down to the... Um, the Venus and Taurus for me, just because I obviously I love the dinosaurs, but I really got into thinking about like the people in the, in the movie as as well. But I mean, who the fuck cares about the people except for me? But I really liked the Venus and Taurus. I thought that was um, really interesting. Um, and then I know one thing that we want to do for this podcast. I mean, we know we're about astrology, but we're also going to pull a tarot card. Yeah, just we're, to just see. All, we're just woo woo. We're just so all the day. And Here. so we're going to like literally pull one. And this has not been pre-selected, not to sound like a flea circus illusionist, but we're just going to pull one and kind of see if it illuminates anything from the movie for us. Um, I, I take a long time to pull tarot cards. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. The King of Wands. Like wands are all about action. And it's funny because I actually feel like maybe we didn't talk about it as much as an action movie. Like it is a Oh yeah, it is movie. an action movie. Yeah. Huh. And it is the king of action movies. Yes. So it's funny, it's not Con Air, it's not Mission Impossible, but it is an incredible movie that is always like 
there's always a sense of movement. There's the chase scenes. There's um, even when they're staying still. There's the movement of the like shaking water. Oh my gosh, the movement of the shaking water. And then it's funny they're not driving, but the cars are driving along. Mm-hmm. Like they're it's funny they're on an island. They're on Isla Nublar for forty eight hours, but the island feels so expansive because they're constantly moving or being chased. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about the King of Wands too is that they're once you're the King of Wands, like you're not the Ace of Wands, you're not the two, like you're not you're not starting out. You're not starting out. You're not figuring how out how to move. You are actually very secure in your movement. And for me, thinking about this movie, like we've been talking so much about the chart and how it's about maybe more the movie than the individual characters. If we're pulling a tarot card for the movie, I think that the movie is a very confident and secure movie. Oh, it is so self-assured. Yeah. It like... It knew it was going to be a hit before it came out. Like that's the kind well, like of, you I know. think you even called the movie a ride earlier, and mm-hmm. I think like the King of Wands is about that action and that ride, and like there's never a moment where okay, there's never a moment where I'm not I'm going to say no to watching Jurassic Park, and it's because I know I have a skilled person in the driver's seat, and that is Steven Spielberg. So maybe Steven Spielberg is the, is King, the King of Wands. Of Wands. Because we didn't discuss Steven Spielberg as much. But I actually think that this is our moment to discuss him because I feel like he is the King of Wands in this tarot pull. That he was like, he was so secure and, and assured about how the movie needed to move forward. And I mean, he fucked. Right. Uh, well, and, and how to keep all of these different, as we've already said, like genres floating at once. It, like mm. he's kept all the plates spinning, uh, like to, to really kind of get across the 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 passionate feeling of it as opposed to like what I think of the book as is much more of like this is a like scary thriller mm. and so it doesn't have necessarily the lightness that you have of like the getting to see the dinosaurs for the first time or like the humor of the uh Newman character or things like that that like Spielberg understands that it needs all this DNA to like make it this like work of passion Mm. as opposed to just like a great action movie or a great thriller. Well, it's also, if we're talking about wands as fire and fire signs and passion, like it is a movie that is very passionate. Mm -hmm. Like it's a movie that is so it's not emotional and like, deep the way that like you know you might watch a movie that like will make will make you cry or something but it is um a very it gets you invested it gets you invested it's a very artful movie i Mm -hmm. think that part of the king of wands here is that there's nothing that so the king of wands is not the knight of wands who is almost frenetic like that is like i'm trying to think of a director that's frenetic and all over the place but like maybe maybe like a fincher or something Mm -hmm. but like or like a Tarantino. Right. Like Spielberg is moving with a confidence and, and, and is meticulous. There's nothing on the screen that he shows you that he doesn't want to show you. He's he's in the driver's seat. And I think that's what the King of Wands is. And, and, and I'm happy that we got to talk about Spielberg. Same. I think that he is the exactly kind of king I want in charge of my movie. He is king. Yes. I was... He um, is king and the dinosaurs are mother. <laughs> well... 
this has been a great conversation. And I just want to say, if you're listening, thank you for listening to our entire first episode of Pop Stars. Yes. Keep a lookout for the next one. We're going to be covering Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion. Which is also having an anniversary, I mean, in June. We're going to be going along with the stars. They are guiding us, Mm -hmm. quite literally. Yes. So, um, yeah. I'm so excited for that. And thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Matthew. I'm excited to go on this uh, astrological journey with you. Same. Same.